Nothing changes instantaneously. In a gradually heating bathtub, you'd be boiled to death before you knew it. Our Father, who art in heaven. Seriously? What the actual fuck? Gilead doesn't care about children. Gilead cares about power. Why does healing have to be the only goal? Why can't we be as furious as we feel? For whatever man sows, so shall he reap. Welcome to Above the Garage. Hi, friends. Welcome to our analysis of Season 4, Episode 5 of The Handmaid's Tale, which is entitled Chicago. Let's do our round of introductions and dive in. Hi, I'm Yulia. Hi, I'm Claudia. Hi, I'm Tina. Hi, I'm Megan. Hi, I'm Melissa. And I'm Kate. So the episode opens to the sound of kissing, and we see it's Luke and June at the hotel where they had their affair. And then we see why June's thinking of sex, because Janine and Steven are having sex in the room that everybody's sleeping in. June looks over at the attractive guy next to her, and he smiles in commiseration at having to listen to them having sex. By the way, I know Janine says she likes Steven, but is this continued prostitution a requirement of their stay, do you think? Mm. I wasn't sure, but it made me sick to think about that. I, think, I don't think so. I think no. Janine just latches on emotionally yeah. really fast. Yeah. Because she tells later it's... it's consensual. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah it's yes. consensual adamant it's and, consensual later. Yeah. yeah. Or at least she wants to believe. But I'm just curious if he would have if he would have demanded that, you know? Anyway, I hate Stephen. Can't talk. <laughs> did you think it was strange that she was thinking of Luke in this moment? I did. Because, because I was Very. like, okay, this is like weird that she's thinking of Luke when she needs to listen to the guy she practically hates having sex right. with Janine and she's totally wary of this and it is very uncomfortable to be thinking like that next to two people that you don't want to be having sex you know and, yeah and you know where she was forced initially I think it's it was um a good contrast between pre-Gilead sex and post-Gilead sex you know I think they try, they try to show that Trigiliat sets with, with someone that yeah with your partner, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. in this situation Janine with some guy all yeah. in the same room ugh, yeah. was very yeah. awkward sex. Right. Yes. Yeah, you could be right. That's probably more like it. And then. June hears the sound of gunfire and explosions. And by the way, this shot of her like getting out of bed is a behind the scenes um, like short video that I think Burton put up once. I'm just like seeing it in the show after having seen it on his page. But she gets up to go explore, look into the explosions and Stephen yells at her to get back into bed, which of course she is not going to listen to. And she finds a window where she can see the battle. And it's kind of a, a cool shot of the war in chicago don't take a lantern to the window well, yeah <laughs> and again yeah. yeah don't be in the window with your lantern yeah, oh see you. it reminded me of omar when she was in omar's yes, window can. i'm like girl you can't be doing this i mean you can do it in the middle of night but don't bring a lantern please don't bring the light <laughs> yeah, yeah don't shine yeah. that hi i'm here yeah there there are lots of little things throughout this episode the show june is very new to resistance yeah living Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well just the fact that nobody was paying attention to the bombs being dropped and the windows being shot out they're all sleeping through it and like no big deal but of course right june's not used to that so she is going to be curious and go like what the hell is happening so Mm -hmm. they're totally 
used to that environment. That's what they've been living in for five, six, whatever, how many years. However long they've been there. I mean, they're desensitized to it. When I saw it on the closed captions, um, it seemed that a few of them were like um, watching out and stuff because some people shouted at each other, wake up, oh fuck, it's from the West this time and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So there were people that were probably on a more watch, watch, yeah, position. Yeah, I I mean, it was such the norm that I think Stephen was like pissed. He was like, yeah. yes, like quit, quit ruining my time getting laid and like, yeah. sit down lady. Like, <laughs> like seriously, he's the worst. Mm-hmm. Then Tainted Love is playing and she's washing her handmaid's cloak in a bathtub and they show us an aerial shot of their gardening, kids playing, uh, just daily life there. And um, that cloak must be so heavy when wet, but she sees someone packing rations and sidles up to her to figure out where the action is and learns that they're trading these across town and June wants to go. The woman says that Steven, that's Stephen's call. So June goes to find him. And then she watches him teach Janine how to fire a gun. You can just see that she clearly despises him on her face. And then she has to come out and ask him if she can come trade with them. And he says, fresh meat, stay here. And Janine puts in a good word for her. And Stephen gives in if she does what he says. He obviously doesn't know her very well yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she agrees. And he will learn. I found it so odd that she was like taking care of her cloak. But then I realized like in this type of world, it is her only possession. Her only thing she has really to trade. Um, Yeah. Because she's in a totally different atmosphere there, like a totally different environment. And Gilead, she had her basic needs met. And when you're a rebel, you don't. You don't have food. You don't, you, you're fighting for everything to survive like that way, your basic needs. Yeah. And that cloak would be very warm. Like yeah. I object mm-hmm. to the trade made later in this episode because the cloak is actually valuable, not wearing it, obviously, but having it with you in the warehouse. Yeah. 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 I thought it was really telling that um, what June wanted to trade for when she was talking with the woman about mm-hmm. you know going to trade was she wanted guns. Yeah. And the woman was saying, no, we're going to get food and batteries. So I think it's very telling of her mental state. She's very much geared on wanting to hurt Gilead, which is yeah. clear. It's natural progression. You know, she wasn't thinking, like Megan said, of survival, really, because, you know, she's used to having yeah. her basic needs met. Mm-hmm. So she's ready to fight. And it's funny coming from, or it's interesting coming from 401 when Esther was like pissed off at her for not being that way. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. You know, she just wanted to chill for a bit and Esther just wanted to kill people. And now June's back on board with killing people. I, I wondered um, how long they stayed there up to this point, because they seem to be still fairly new. But I mean, Janine is like already casual with her new boyfriend and it looks like they were at least a few days maybe a few weeks there it looks like they have settled in but not quite i don't think you can ever really settle into a rebel base but i bet they were probably two weeks maybe at the most yeah maybe um i think the others looked like they really settled in because they were playing games (laughs) and having fun she was so pissed at all of this i I love that she was like looking around and couldn't believe that all those people like maybe also the handmaids on the farm when they had their little respite moment and when they were dancing and stuff like Mm -hmm. this that it would happen again that these people don't want to fight they just want to survive and take a little happiness from just everyday life yeah and i mean it it comes back to her um her words when she was in the boston globe where she was saying like you 
you get used to all of this really quickly if you are forced into a new situation. So yeah. Then we're at where they send the aunts to die, I guess, an aunt's retirement home. And I guess it's right, like, attached to the Red Center because the handmaids are right outside. But it's funny because there are, like, puzzles and old-time music, chess, and cards. But Lydia's on the treadmill watching the handmaids training outside, clearly, like, itching to get back into action. Then Aunt Ruth enters, and when Aunt Lydia tells her she's eager to get back to work, she's back in fighting shape. Uh, Ruth shuts her down, like, quickly. The girls are not your concern anymore. Which is, like the sentence that would set Lydia off the most because Mm -hmm. the girls have always been my concern. I have served Gilead with everything I have. And despite Ruth's clear unfriendliness towards her, she asks her to intercede with the commanders on her behalf. And Ruth continues enjoying her superiority though and condescending to her. She calls her Lydia without the aunt, like June did in episode 403. And when she sees an open seat at the card table, Ruth delights in telling Lydia about it. Lydia's infuriated and she instead replies, Godspeed, Aunt Ruth, and then gets back on the treadmill with a vengeance. I feel like she was testing Aunt Ruth just to see, you know, how far she would go to like buy for that power. And now she's like, okay, you're not, you're yeah. not on my side. You're mm-hmm. working to get me out. So she has to go another route now. It's very interesting because you see, you can see the dynamics between yeah. this, this aunt yeah. and very well. And also, did you notice that in the scene, in the, in the shot, Aunt Lydia is shorter than, than the other actress. Uh, you can see the, the, how the, the camera is focused mm-hmm. uh, on Ruth, like she, was, she has more power. Right. And Aunt Lydia is a lower position. Smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. She looks smaller. Yeah. I found it funny, kind of, that Aunt Lydia is at the uh, treadmill because it looks like she wants to get her gear back on, but better than before because she couldn't run after them, right? And I was like, is she, like, trying to get in shape to never have such a moment ever again that people can outrun her? That's such a good point. I always thought she was doing it because she was just pissed and needed to have an outlet for that energy (laughs) and she's just like "Ah." (laughs) yeah that was sure part of it but I think she wanted to get fitter because yeah so she has more power again over the new ones yeah Mm-hmm. I just thought it was weird to see somebody on a treadmill in Gilead. Yeah. It's like a very non-Gileadian right. thing to Doesn't be on a treadmill. Doesn't it even say blessed day or something? It did. I thought, yes. so. I thought I heard that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they have special Gilead treadmills. That's so funny. Are they allowed to see numbers? I think the ants think- can see anything, right? Yeah. yeah. They can read, yeah. And ants can write as well, yeah. This is irrelevant then to, to this scene, but can handmaids do numbers? I don't think so. I don't think so all pictures but the aunts it's they have a pretty cushy setup you know I, yeah i think like most of them there were probably enjoying themselves in their chest get to be, they have big libraries they get to play games like yeah we, we do we do some famous christian painting puzzles every day <laughs> yeah. yeah so exciting this was the assumption of mary by the way did you oh, oh was I, it? I looked it up because like i thought it was interesting that the shot kind of lingered on this puzzle they did mm. and we know that mary is supposed to have conceived well mm. as a virgin yeah so 
Uh, then we immediately go from Lydia to a man in a very similar position. Lawrence is addressing the council and Putnam thanks him for helping them find the handmaids. So that would be referencing the Hannah trick. And Lawrence proceeds to suggest they declare a temporary ceasefire along their borders to allow for international aid to come in. The council does not react positively. He wants to trade this for goodwill and economic relief, but Calhoun calls him out. Oh, I want to bomb everything, friend. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's Trigger happiest what? person on the planet. No. <laughs> Never. I wanted Those to words. bomb everything since episode three of season three. Come on. <laughs> he also wants to send everybody to the colonies and kill them. So he's yeah. just is a killer. Yeah, so he shuts it down, and then he asks, wasn't it your handmaid that kidnapped our children in the first place? And when Lawrence admits he was deceived by a faceless woman, I enjoy Nick looking at him hilariously. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, me too. Like, bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, bullshit. Hardly swallow he's like, yeah, them. that's my girlfriend who got those, those kids out. That's her. And he knows he's full of shit, too. He's that like, too, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's holding back a little smile. Mm-hmm. He is. He, he totally, like, wants to yeah. laugh at that. And Lawrence continues, unlike women, numbers don't lie, and they need to prosper in order to crush the insurgency. They call for a vote, and everyone votes against him. Nick goes last, though, so he knows his vote is totally useless. And when they huddle up after Nick points out, out he can't support a ceasefire in a battle he's leading but lawrence knows his weak spot for sure now a ceasefire might help june he says and then my favorite lawrence line is teed up nicely by nick if she was near the border i'd know about it nick says and lawrence replies oh that's sweet would your heart glow or something and nick even (laughs) chuckles a rare sound coming out of him i remember being so shocked the first time i watched it i immediately around to make sure that he said what i thought he said (laughs) So I did delightful. too. Yeah. <laughs> I just like imagining Nick with like the Care Bear heart, like, like, like shooting. I, I mean, we already yeah. got scenes where this seemed to be true. So literally, yeah, season two, right? Episode yeah. five. Um, exactly. How did he know that she was dying in the garden? Right. Yes. Like this is the first time that we see Nick at the council, right? He yeah. just yes. He just was bumped basically because he captured June. Probably, right? I think that's probably one of the reasons. And also, like, because sometime around episode three, I mean, um, Lawrence says that some commanders died and yeah, some are in hospital. Exactly. So probably seats awakened as well. There was an opening. Also interesting interesting um, in this scene is we see seven commanders at the council. And really? later we see nine commanders at the council. Yeah, they're stocked up. <laughs> I mean, we know about one that joins, so. Yeah. Also but- interesting is we just came from a scene where Aunt Ruth said, oh, there's a seat at the table. And then we switch into this scene where Nick suddenly oh. has a seat at the table. All interesting. right. It's good that he's there now because he can. I mean, he's still low. I mean, he's on the far end of the table. He is yeah. less, the less power of everything in the group. Of course, Putnam in the middle is the most powerful. Yeah. We see later that he can't. Yeah. But also he's in this scene, I think it's very interesting that he's very, very closely observing the reactions of every commander when Mm -hmm. when Lawrence proposes the ceasefire. Like even before they vote, he's like closely observing Kaloon and every single one, how they react to this Mm -hmm. proposal. So I think that that's why Lawrence said that how powerful Gilead armies are. And also I, I think that that's why Nick is like looking 
how to behave in that space because mm-hmm. it's the first time he's yeah. there. Um, it's interesting because in the moment that they, the commander Calhoun said about June, the focus of the camera uh, changed and Lawrence is like in a, in a position of superiority, you know, like with lights in each size, mm-hmm. each size of him. And Nick is in the dark, like I said in 401. So it's interesting that every single time that they talk, about June or something related to June, Lawrence or Nick are like, they show them in a better light. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, re- I really like in this episode, the back and forth with Nick and Lawrence, where it's really clear Nick is the very inexperienced yeah. politician for lack of a better word. And Lawrence knows what he's doing, you know, as the you know, Nick, I think, thinks he knows what he's doing by watching all the other commanders and trying to figure out what to do. But you really quickly realize as the episode goes on, especially like Nick is playing checkers and Lawrence is playing chess. Well, you right. know, yeah. It's, yeah, Nick thinks he's doing good, but no, no, no. Like Lawrence is going back and he's using his political know-how to really navigate Gilead and get what he wants, what he knows needs to be done, you know. I like the, the dynamic between them. That's a good analogy. I mm-hmm. like that. When we know that Lawrence is that big political brain and he knows how to play the game, I still wonder why he said to Nick that he should have given him a mercy vote. I mean, we he even waited for everybody else to vote that he can see if he can vote against mm-hmm. or for it. And he had no other choice. I mean the only one voting for it would be highly suspicious so i really wondered why uh, he was like saying hey you couldn't give me one yeah he should know i think he was mostly lawrence joking too though yeah you know that dry wit but i found it also interesting that despite or maybe because of nick's inexperience um he quickly takes lawrence's advice and well, ask different people and like not the eyes of Gilead, but like different eyes mm-hmm. of Gilead. So yeah. he's he's eager to learn how to play the game, I think. Yeah, that is smart. I think so too. So does everybody know he's an eye or just Lawrence? Because obviously Lawrence is like, he, he called him out as being an eye. So I'm just like. At this point, he's been promoted. I assume he's more like Price now and that everybody knows he's like the leader, but you don't know who works for him. But isn't Putnam the head of the eyes and... I think Nick is not the head of the ice, but no. one of the ice still, but as a commander now. I'm not sure if Lawrence actually does know that. I think it's just like a line because like, obviously every single commander has access to the knowledge of the eyes, I think. Well, no, because the commanders, the reason for the eyes was to like hurt the commanders initially, right? Wasn't right, it? I think there's no, different I mean, fractions of eyes. I yeah. think there's your plain clothes operatives. Okay. And then there's your visible eyes. So I don't exactly. think they know the plain clothes operatives. I think those are like exactly. the undercover I, eyes. Yeah. And yes. then the visible eyes, they the know. The visible eyes. Are. I mean, of course, yeah. the commander can go to the visible eye office and say, hey, we yeah. want to go check on this and this person. Do you have yeah. any intel on yeah. them? Because we suspect right. anything. So I think Lawrence just needs this. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of option for Nick that he's like okay you can go the the official route to ask our secret police if they have any intel yeah 
Then we are in Chicago with June and Janine, and June asks Stephen when she gets a gun. They're, so he's, they're on their mission, walking across the city, and he says when she earns it. And Janine catches up to her and begs her to try to play nice with Stephen, and starts to point out that June's kind of pushy and like walks in wanting to take control like usual. And June's like, okay, okay, okay. And for some reason, I enjoyed that exchange where June didn't like want to hear any more about that. Um, but it is obviously true. And they uncover a body burnt to a crisp. Nice job, Zane. Stephen tells her that it was probably courtesy of the Nighthawks and that she would probably, and that she would love the Nighthawks because they don't care if they live or die. They just want to kill soldiers like her. And she was fascinated by that. Or yeah. I couldn't, that, like, I was like, okay, she, yeah, that look, I feel she like. She in on that. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I want this. I like so too that I, I don't like Stephen. I think I mentioned that once or mm. twice but uh i did like when he said you love them because he he knows her number he knows he her already so well yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. despite not knowing her already yeah as they round the next corner somebody signals to them to take cover and we also hear orders from the gilead soldiers to check out the shops and someone shines a flashlight into the restaurant they're hiding in which is dante's pizzeria which is a real place in chicago probably lizzie likes it also dante is the author of the Divina Commedia, like the Divine Comedy. Mm. And this book is very famous because it kind of describes the afterlife in a very well Christianized way um, and divides the afterlife into like yeah, three different stages, which are hell, purgatory, and paradise. And, and like the book is about um, the main character also ha- also um, is Dante. So he's basically wrote a book about himself <laughs> traveling yeah. through all those three realms. And uh-huh. he starts in hell, goes to purgatory, and then paradise. And I think it can—it's great analogy to June's journey because Gilead. She wasn't Gilead, which and Gilead is hell in this case. Now she's in Chicago, the front line. This is purgatory, and who knows what paradise is for June? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And is that the same? Does he also write about like the seven circles of hell? Yeah. And then the, I go back to like the Nighthawk name. It's that's a famous painting in the Chicago Museum there. So I wonder if that's where they got it from. It's a very famous mm-hmm. painting. It's Edward Hopper, I believe, and it's mm-hmm. it's basically a famous diner scene. You would know it anywhere. It's very recognizable. Oh yeah, I, I I looked that up. I looked at the picture. Yeah. It's like like three people in a diner, right? Like yeah, and it's a again woman, a dark, dark, desolate street, and it's like so you they feel like isolated and alone, and I don't know. But you also it's... wonder what the people are up to. Why are they in diners right. so late in the night? Yes. And June immediately wants to shoot the guys uh, that are searching for them, and Stephen tells her to shut the fuck up. If they don't report back, there'll just be more soldiers sent, and it'll get harder to move around and trade. And June asks what kind of resistance they are, and he defends the kind that survive. Then we're in the art museum, which has become a makeshift market for bartering. Um, There's a nicely maintained dinosaur fossil in the middle, which was surprising to me in the wake of all the violence. And the guy that smiled at her from earlier in the episode introduces himself as Brad and asks who she is. And she tells him she's not interested. And I enjoyed when Janine stepped up and, and jokes, it's nice to see you making friends. And... June says she doesn't need that kind of friend. And Janine sees a Cubs hat and wants to get it for Steven, who is apparently a baseball fanatic in his previous life. And Janine picks up on June's uneasy vibes about him and reassures her it's totally consensual. Side note, Janine looks so beautiful. Aren't Maddie? I mean, she always does with this blue color on her. I love, 
I just think she looks really beautiful in these scenes. And I also enjoy that her, she's always matching her eye patch to her clothes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Janine tries to trade her handmaid's cloak for the Cubs hat and the guy says no, which is insane, by the way. It's a fucking hat. And then June, trying to be nice to Janine, even though it's for Steven, offers her cloak too, which is a terrible, terrible deal ladies but Agreed. semantics the deal i wonder what kind of value a hat has is it because of disguising yourself or i because feel like you're no, a bright blue what hat is not really disguised. exactly yeah. <laughs> or is it because you can shelter yourself from the rain but the cloak would, would do that too right i mean let's just admit it it's just because lizzie wanted that cup's hat i know <laughs> that's what i had lizzie wanted that cup's hat <laughs> with the cloaks like somebody could take those cloaks and easily like infiltrate gilead you know like i feel like the cloaks were billion much more reasons valuable. to have the yeah. cloaks. yes it was definitely a very nice thing to do for her friend but stupid yeah um she ha um has a hard time leaving the the cloaks and i think that was because she's she also is very attached to the, not to the clock in so itself but to her identity of offering. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that's why she has very hard time to, to leave it. She, she looks at, at them, you know, like she was struggling with that. It was also her only possession left too, though. It was like her only possession yeah. that was of value for her too, to trade it for that hat. Exactly. I would have been hesitant. I'm like, okay. Yeah. But also it's interesting because uh, in season two, she's easily burning her old clothes. She has mm -hmm. no problem getting rid of her handmade identity. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I couldn't tell if it was she was hesitant because of she wanted to hold on to it, like Melissa said, because it was part of her identity or because she thought the guy was scamming them. Yeah, I really right. wasn't sure. It was more valuable. It, mm -hmm. Yeah, it could have been a little of both. But I thought of the thing too, um, Julia, like you said, like it's a far cry from the June of season two, who as soon as she could get out of that cloak, she wanted to be rid of it and to burn it. So she's really, you know, progressed a lot. and a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. June says to Janine about Stephen that she shouldn't get attached. And it really reminded me of um, season one when Nick says uh, don't form attachments. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like it was a nice parallel to those two. But in the end, we know both of them very, very, very badly <laughs> do this not form <laughs> attachment <laughs> thing. So... <sighs> Uh, Lydia comes to Lawrence's house and he notes she looks different. He's <laughs> commenting on her lack of power, uh, but he jokes, maybe, is it your hair? And every other time she's walked into his house, like full of judgment, backed by Gilead. So this is enjoyable to him. She's powerless um, and she's not with, with her severe act attitude, you know, like yeah. she's yeah. like, very humble position now she needs right. something so i think right. that's how lawrence that reads yeah. people very well you know lawrence jokes about what's different he knows that yeah. it's not yeah, different teasing her. yeah yeah exactly yeah. exactly He's like i know you lost your power <laughs> <laughs> exactly i love that and yeah. even with uh, with the the cameras you know when they equal in the same level at the beginning mm -hmm. of the scene and after when only is 
uh, threatening. Threatening. Exactly. Uh, she's like uh, the camera focus her like in a better position, like in a higher mm-hmm. position than than Lawrence. That's so cool how they do that, and I know that I notice not even half of the time and it's worth the rewatches just to like look at even just camera positions so then Lydia proceeds to threaten him with knowledge about his black market dealings and being at Jezebel's the night of Winslow's disappearance which is hard like he was only in his car but I guess Mm -hmm. this is garage evidence so Lawrence tells Lydia if he can only help her if he can get back at the table and Mm -hmm. he knows she has dirt on Calhoun and she basically says I don't trade in gossip and (laughs) He ends up saying, well, that's what I'm going to need to get you what you need. So we need to work together. And that's Lawrence, again, playing chess to make the political moves he needs, you know, while Nick is not doing any of this, you know, so Mm -hmm. it just shows how Lawrence, again, has that expertise. But Lawrence also got lucky. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that Lydia came to him. Yeah, Yeah, that that too. Yeah. With all those gossip as she yeah. says which yeah gossip she said the testaments of the abuse of yeah, power of many she, so she it. puts that nod in there obviously yeah. Yeah. to the book yeah. there but it goes yeah. into you know that's her whole game there is with mm-hmm. all the girls in the houses she has spies everywhere so she's definitely somebody lawrence probably wants to wants get to know more because like she has the dirt on everyone right. but yeah did she need him though like shouldn't she just have gone straight to calhoun with this and skipped the skip the middleman i think uh, she knows Ka- calhoun is just she'd rather I mean, deal with lawrence he's just so bad yeah. he'd probably just shoot her <laughs> also i think she hates him because like calhoun was the one who who talked bad about handmaids and um like several episodes back she oh like, yeah she did not horse well. and not, yeah, nothing yeah. so she definitely doesn't want to work with him i think no she uh, would be beneath sense, him yeah. i don't even think he would entertain yeah. the thought yeah. of even having a conversation with her and lawrence the- is more liberal and lydia knows that so. yeah, yeah i think maybe lydia even knows a bit about that lawrence might have ties to resistance she seemed to know because yeah, a lot. it's like mm-hmm. she uh when when aunt truth is so weird with her and like bossing her around and everything she seems like to form a plan and to have figured out that lawrence would be her best shot because it seems like she wants to change gilead to her own view of it like really treats the handmaids with more respect so that they are more meek as well because if you like do all that shit to them they will behave like bombing up commanders yeah. or shooting up commanders or whatever and yeah i think she maybe also took what june said to heart i think like when, when june said it's it's lydia's fault yeah. that they got beaten and brutalized and um not anything in in a capacity that was promised them like they mm-hmm. said if they do the ceremony and behave they they will be glorified and that's not what happens to handmaids yeah. yeah she wants to redo it she wants to do it right this time yeah right if she can get them on her side she'll get more intel if they feel like they can trust her so now she's gonna probably yeah, it's work too. a different angle instead yeah. of just beating them into submission now she's actually gonna like now that she's broke them she's gonna be like a friend, Lydia, yeah. like yeah. you can, you can trust me. You can come talk to me when those wicked men get, are doing naughty things. So trust yeah. me and she'll get yeah. more info. 
Then June and Janine are having another conversation about Steven. And unbelievably to me, Janine actually suggests she could have his baby if she stayed here. Oh man, poor thing. Naive. She's so That's naive. so sad. That really like bothers me about it does. like a as a mother, reasons. I'm like, no, exactly, I mean I get it. Right? She wants to raise her babies, but not in a war zone, not in in that environment. I wouldn't want to bring yeah. another baby into that world, but that's what she's missing. I really think that Janine wants a family. Yeah. And she is idealizing that that dream, you know, like right. husband and kids and and settle. And she's not considering that Chicago is a war zone that has no food there. Yeah. She's right. not yeah. considering anything bad that she wants to an asshole. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> <It's even laughs> <enough>. Yeah. <laughs> She's not in her right mind, is what yeah, I mean. Exactly. Just not at this moment. She just is she just wants what she wants. And, and she's like free for a moment. I'm sure right. she's just yeah. That's a sense okay, of freedom free. for her, even though it's not being free. Well, and that's even what Putnam used to convince her to keep having sex with him, right? Like we'll run away, we'll have a baby, we'll right. be a family. Mm-hmm. So that's clearly what she wants. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then June tells Janine that she's leaving tomorrow and Janine can either come with her or stay and be off Steven. Oh, cold, cold, June. Next door with Nick, he's smoking somewhere downtown when an eyes van pulls up. And when the doors open, we see a pissed off Martha. She jumps down to the ground with attitude as another one jumps down behind her. And they walk over to Nick and we see that they're the Marthas from season three in Lawrence's basement that uh, June was having to deal with to get angel's flight okayed he's asking about june and the first martha like just hates june now she didn't like her the first time we saw her and now she like fucking hates her and says that everybody that helps her gets killed gets put on the wall and he doesn't deny it he just says i'm sorry nutty narcius <laughs> and <laughs> she says you're what, better off without her and like refuses to talk but then the martha with the unique accent i do not know what accent that is um, but anyway, the other Martha tells him that there were two handmaids spotted getting off the train in Chicago. So Lawrence was right. And June is in Chicago and he thinks her. Yeah. I love his sweet little understated. Well, I care about her when he's getting information like, oh, buddy, yeah. understatement mm-hmm. of the century, but <laughs> sweet. I yeah. think even the Martha's know. He's, yeah. he's going around telling everybody. Shout yeah. it from the rooftop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, do you think the Martha's knew where they were? brought to because when they jumped out they were like looking at him and then it was like that moment of recognition right so Mm -hmm. like like oh no yeah what does he want now (laughs) yeah they obviously knew him that wasn't cool though because they he scared them and that's why she was pissed off she was like go through the proper channels yeah have me taken on the street in an eyes van and he yeah. says, um, he says it's not about business. So like he clearly made business with them yes. before. Yes, right. Exactly. I wonder though why he calls it business. I mean, it, it has been this business for him, like in season for one, long when time. we saw for yeah, a long time now. when we when we saw um, that he's trading goods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think market. it, it mm-hmm. doesn't. It, it can't be just goods now, right? It's... He wanted to get June out. I mean, she was the she. Yeah, she yeah. Was something totally different. But she has. Uh, he had to give the Mayday Martha's a lot more than just goods for getting oh, June right. out. I mean, he has right. intel now, which yeah, is even 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 more valuable than 
than just I don't know prescriptions <laughs> yeah exactly so, so I mean they definitely knew he was not of harm to them I mean no. they're, yeah. I mean they even you know disrespected him they're like yeah. oh, you know he's not gonna he's not gonna do anybody we know we know Nick I mean they obviously knew each other yeah it was like he's low in rank to them yeah they're like please they were his bosses <laughs> Yeah, but she, she clearly says it when she says, uh, just because you have a star on your arm, which means just because you're a commander, yeah, doesn't mean you can put us in a, in a guardian van. And, and yeah. But it is kind of funny that she is so sure of that with yeah. him. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. now that you, ha- it doesn't mean, we know you're not going to do anything to us. She knows, yeah. even though he has exactly. the power and could. Yeah, he could, he actually could. That's he could. a funny thing. She says, you, you can't, you cannot do that. Of course he could. <laughs> he, he can't course he do could. that. Well, she knows he, he won't, yeah, he you know, because she knows, I think, that he's Mayday. I mean, they're they're all working together. It, it even sounded a bit like, um, now you're having this star, but that doesn't mean you're climbing up in our ranks. Our here. ranks, right. And the Mayday ranks. We are still leading this and you are the one giving us intel and... Mm-hmm. I like that dynamic between them. Yeah, I thought like it was really important to show that Nick's involved and yeah, resistance stuff in Mayday. Yeah, I felt like that was a clear sign. Yeah. Right there. And I mean, he could pressure a lot of information out of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he doesn't, right? He's just taking, like, he's just just asking and when they said when the one says, um, no, fuck you, (laughs) basically, she doesn't say that, but she's just starting to get back into the van yeah and he's not gonna he's do anything disappointed, about it. but he's not like come on i mean i will right like, she's he's not trying to blackmail her into intel or something which is no. very telling he was very respectful with, mm-hmm. yeah without both of them no mm-hmm. he he's apologizing for june and her actions right but literally now the entire martha network probably knows about nick and june that's a lot i wonder if they knew they didn't seem too shocked either they're like yeah right. they're like, mm-hmm, i feel like they're yeah. the worst kept secret in right Gilead. yeah <laughs> yeah totally i didn't feel like they were like they didn't question like i care about her they're like mm-hmm, well you shouldn't you know <laughs> yeah, exactly. like dude you're playing poor with choice. like yeah poor choice yeah buddy. Then June's getting ready to leave. She's going to go find the Nighthawks. She has a nice little exchange with Brad who gave her a map and she's being friendlier with him. I never thought that he warranted her unfriendliness, by the way. She can be friends with Guy without, you know. No, he was a nice one. Yeah, but I think she maybe has like obviously a diff- different and difficult relationship towards Min now in general. I think she's more worried. That's fair. And it opened Obviously. up like trust. She didn't yeah. expect that of Steven. And then he yeah. dropped that on her. She felt like, okay, I'm free of this asshole. That stunned me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Janine comes out and and she starts with, this is hard to say. So I'm like, ah, come on, Janine. You're making the wrong, poor choice. She tells June that she's staying with Steven instead of going with June. And that broke my heart. It's still a lovely goodbye though. And super touching when she gives June the Cubs hat. That was for Lizzie, obviously, saying something to remember me by. And June says, how can I ever forget you? And then Janine's like self-deprecating. How could you forget the girl with the one eye? And June says, I think you're beautiful. And she is. And it's just so goddamn sweet. Maddie and Lizzie are incredible together. I love them so much. But sadly, June walks off without Janine. And it made me really sad. 
Also, it made me wonder if Stephen like rejected the hat and it made me mad at him again. Any reason to be mad at Stephen, I don't think. I would imagine in my head. He, he maybe said like, I don't need this bright blue head. Exactly. It's too yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he, like, and he would be target. right about that. Yeah. It's a target. Then we see Lydia putting her taser or cattle prod or whatever it is back on and her aunt, her Gilead pen. And then she's outside instructing a new group of handmaids how to be raped. But it, it notably opens with her closing the distance between the handmaids so that the, they're each in pairs. And she's doing her usual handmaid nonsense. You are the sacred vessels of the Lord, his chosen ones. Your charge will be hard. You will be tested by wicked men and they will try to lead you astray. And when they do, I will be here to listen. Your bond with each other will be strong. From this point forward, none of you will ever walk alone. And we watch them walk in a circle in pairs and Lydia's tearing up. Do you think it's her usual speech? Because I got the feeling that it's not. I think that's... Oh, is it not? But she wants to change. Yeah, it. right. Well, it's the first time she's saying wicked men. She's yeah. Before it's always like, you are the bad girls. Oh, you are the yeah. dirty girls. So that's girls. huge. Yeah. yeah. And now she's like, you will be, you know, corrupted by wicked men. And yeah. I will be here for you to tell me. Yeah, I will listen. Oh, that's yeah. enormous. Give me all the intel on those yeah. wicked men. On, <laughs> it, was a, it was a huge shift because before she's like, yeah. shame, shame, you know, like. You're a dirty, uh, like, whore, you know, basically. Yeah, she's yeah it's terrible. a woman's fault. Victim shaming. Yeah, it's a woman's fault. And now it's wicked men. Yeah. I think this is, is, this is why I love this episode. Like, it's my one of my favorite episodes of season four, or maybe also even in general, because there's so much Gilead in it. We, we barely know anything about the, the um, regular structures and, and yeah. what's going on behind the scenes. And we finally got like to see like who's in charge who's deciding things right okay so then we go straight from the lydia um speech and her pairing up the new handmaids to a scene of june walking down the deserted chicago street alone and looking like extra lonely and she hears something that makes her stop and she gets scared and hides under a police car until we see two boots and jeans walk up and june's eyes slowly move up her body and then it's revealed it's janine after she said goodbye to her, she changed her mind and it made me cry. June is also clearly moves and I love it. Like, how does she have so many different facial expressions that say like different things? Like she's literally like 2000 different, slightly adjusted. Oh my God, I'm so moved by seeing Janine right now or whatever. Like it's, it's so cool to see her face do that. And June stands up. She crawls out from under the car and asks her, what are you doing? What are you doing here? And Janine says, I feel safer when we're together. Handmaids always walk in twos, remember? And Lizzie's face. Such a beautiful moment. She's so touched. And she just says, yeah, come on. And like tilts her head to the left. And I love it so much, especially coming right after the Aunt Lydia scene. But then my heart will be broken again in a minute. So the show gives and it takes away. Is what it does. Yeah, does. yeah. It's a roller coaster, right? <laughs> Quite it, literally, it is. Really, like you have really this, this small moments of relief or respite and can draw strength yeah. and happiness Joy. from it, and then second later, boom, crushing happens. <laughs> yeah. So first, though, we get to go to Lawrence and nick again so lawrence is walking into the council meeting and he looks dressed differently to me i couldn't quite identify why some sort of commander thing right i thought so too yeah and he just looked more important to me and nick calls out to him and catches up he tells him you're right i think she's in chicago and he tells lawrence i'll back you up whatever you need so when the meeting starts nick immediately speaks out like proactively bringing lawrence's idea back to the table 
aggressively like so differently than before now that June's involved mm-hmm. but he's shocked when he learned he's informed that everyone has reconsidered their position on this matter already and they're going to do it and Lawrence leans for it and says God loves a commander willing to reconsider his position so he's blackmailed yeah and he's sitting at the at the council again in the, the middle first time. too yes. right yeah right. Right. Mm-hmm. got pushed right in Whoa. but another yeah. one too right because because i as i said like yeah in the beginning was seven and now they are nine again so did they do it to just make the number uneven so it makes it easier to... <laughs> so there was a center <laughs> well yeah. and, and also, so also so, so there's a majority on votes yeah. Yeah, and there were always yeah. nine before, right? Yeah, uh, but also it's it's really important to note that um, even though Jaylor is back at the council, he's not on the tops. Like, no, no. We have we have. I think yeah. the, the, this shot with the chairs from behind was really nice because like Putnam's chair has this really uh, fancy ornaments uh-huh. and woodwork, and then on his left, on his right side, it's Kaloon and another commander. They have also like a little more fancier chairs, and mm-hmm. then the other commanders all have just pretty normal ones. And Lawrence still has office masters. One one of those, yeah. And then the bomb is dropped on Nick. Putnam Literally, you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Putnam tells Nick he will coordinate the bombing excuse me sir and he's totally baffled and Lawrence leans forward and explains Nick hasn't been apprised of the new plan and so Putnam spelled happily spells it out Commander Blaine you will coordinate an aerial bombardment of, on all insurgent fronts just prior to the ceasefire deadline give the civilians a little spanking right he's so obnoxious uh, Nick objects saying civilians will be at risk and Lawrence says that's the cost of doing business Putnam remarks you can't hunt the roaches when they're on the walls, son. I didn't even write son in my notes, but he did say that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I remember him saying son. Yeah. God damn it. People calling him son must drive him. <laughs> so patronizing. <laughs> like, um, I love to patronize him. And the God, thing about Calhoun and, and Nick don't seem like they're that far apart in age. So it is really super patronizing yeah, think, especially right. coming from him yeah. young yeah i mean they, they probably will look down on him because he got promoted and the others were in it from kind of the beginning like right. with founders yeah. and really high yeah. up and he just got a promotion he was just a lowly lowly driver at yeah, one he point fell into and, his position yeah, yeah it's like however he did it i mean we know it was red but still <laughs> So then Nick sw- switches tactics, since that's not working, to their own people. He won't—they won't be able to get their own people out in time. But they're not giving—but they're not giving Nick a choice. Putnam says, "Well, then you should get going." And Nick finally just says, "By his hand," and looks like he's going to vomit mm-hmm. and cry and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, thought, I, I literally never... thought he would throw up on the table. Right every emotion, and you can yeah. see every emotion. You said that first. Great. That's perfect. Uh, yeah. He even his looks... acting. Yeah, his yeah. acting in that his scene acting is incredible. Phenomenal. I felt so pained for him. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was screaming guy. at my TV. I was screaming. I was like, no, no, don't make him do that. No, please oh. don't. And he looks it. like he's almost breaking to a point where he can't hold it in any longer that yeah. he's right. completely against everything yeah this scene always reminds me of this katie Couric interview where she says that um max plays actually two characters in the show like this like commander like gilead yeah. commander yeah. wearing a mask always have to hide his feelings and everything and then he plays the nick we know with june and I think mm-hmm. in yeah. this scene, you clearly see the battle between those two characters odds. In, yes. in, yeah. in his face. And this is, it was amazing. Was oh like, yeah. His um, mask started to slip. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. it did. I mean. Mask slips. Yeah. yeah, yeah it did. Split second. <laughs> totally yeah. slips. I mean, he looked 
pain. Especially when he came up with the second excuse when he was trying to oh, say, yeah, yeah. we don't have time to pull out our own truth. It was so desperate. And like, Even yeah. his voice changed. Little could hear the panic in his yeah. voice. But you never seen him like that. He had like a panic chuckle. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I solved that. I have a question for you guys about this scene, though. So Mm -hmm. do you think if Nick initially had sided with Lawrence and given him that mercy vote, do you think he would have found a way to arrange the deal without the bombing? That Lawrence would try to... Yeah, because Lawrence obviously obviously was the one behind the scenes making the deal. Mm -hmm. So I was just wondering if he could have arranged the bombing either without without it i don't think that was possible i think he had to give something but yeah do you think yeah. there's a way he could have arranged it where nick wasn't the one that no had to i do don't it? think so i don't think so no okay i wasn't he's leading sure. the battle yeah he's, he said okay. it. he's responsible for it because part of me thinks he was trying to teach nick a little bit of a lesson kind of like you need to learn to mm. play the game a little bit but i didn't know if that was a way he would have done it i was just curious what you guys i think thought. the teaching was more like the fact that he let him run into the knife basically he didn't warn him beforehand he just right. okay. um yeah. let him go through the emotions right in front of everybody i think that was the big lesson that he gave him there the very big lesson he also gave june i think that you cannot decide what you need to do sometimes you need to do yeah. awful things as well yeah exactly well nick has no choice though but to drop the yeah bomb. he does not have no, no yeah no. i mean it's no. lawrence who orders the bomb to be dropped he just has to do it, it on Lawrence's hands, actually. Yeah, by his hand. Yeah. By his hand, yeah, it's by Lawrence's a, hand. Well, Lawrence mm-hmm. looks yeah. even a bit uh, like he's sorry that mm. Nick has to do this. Yeah. In the end, just yes. uh, after the last sentence that he gives him, um, before mm. Nick yeah. gives in and says, yeah, by his hand. I think Lawrence is being a bit of a dick here. I, I'm yeah. Not, yeah. I don't like Lawrence in this scene. He's a dick, but this can't, this can't help Gilead. I mean, this no. What the bad fuck? For Gilead. It's so much so worse. Is, it, is that was my next like, I was actually fucking with Gilead there? I mean, his original plan was not, you know, was good. It was good for Gilead. Right. It would have yeah. given them a good, a better image. But this looks bad. I can't believe they went through this. This is it. fucking yeah, awful. Terrible. Can you yeah. imagine like telling everybody we're gonna cease fire? Oh, just kidding. Bye, my mom killed you all. Okay, now you can. Now and then you can do come the ceasefire. No, yeah, no, nobody's awful. gonna think you're generous after that. You bombed no, us. No, no, yeah. With. So Lawrence shouldn't be on board. Well, unless he wanted to hurt Gilead. I mean, Lawrence knows that, and right. I think he he also just takes this as an opportunity because he knows that. Kaloon definitely, I always go back to this. He wants to bomb things. He wants to fight mm. at the fronts with bombs. And now he has He doesn't always... want to fight at the fronts. He just wants No, to... no, he does. He, he wants Gilead to, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like when he comes to this council at the beginning of the episode and, and proposes the ceasefire because of all the sanctions they have, yeah, because they lose power mm-hmm. and all those smart men in the council don't want to see it. They want to be like their tiny boys, play war, whatever. And he's the only one who actually can think straight and, and proposes um, very good things. And he's like, okay, well, if they don't want to listen to me, let's do it their way. Mm-hmm. I got my ceasefire. Okay, we need to take that. And as you said, like, maybe it's in the end, it's very bad, bad light on Gilead that they and, bombed. Yeah. The fronts to send him. Lawrence is extremely smart and he's very calculating. So if he's mad at Gilead, 
and he's finding ways to kind of chip away at it. Yes. It's not going to work with the trade anymore. No. I think also that that Lawrence always just chimed in in the discussion, like Putnam, Kaloon and Nick had this back and forth of the dialogue. And then Norman's just from, from behind his shoulders comes and probably is like, yeah, and this. Just keeps this. leaning in. Like, yeah. yeah it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, I'm here in the concert. Yeah, and yeah. he's literally, yeah, because you literally can't see him for yeah. like the other parts. And then he leans in and says, I'm like, that's the cost of doing business or yeah. whatever. I just wanted to uh, like another quick note because I said that on the on the first episode of our podcast, I think, because in, in this scene, again, when Nick or when Max um, had this amazing scene, it completely reminded me of this Japanese concept, which is called um, Honne and Tatemae. And like Honne is your real face, basically, and Tatemae is, is a mask you wear in front of other people in public to hide your true feelings. And he's like the embodiment of this concept in the whole show. And it's so fascinating to me. I love that. I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, you, I, remember it. yeah I remember it too. It'll be the only thing I know when I go to Japan. I'm yeah, when you go to Japan. Nonstop. <laughs> when you go to Japan and someone smiles at you, it's not genuine all the time. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Just remember that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good tip. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, then June and Janine are discussing, they're walking down the streets together now, yay, and discussing the map and the Nighthawks. I really dig June in the yellow sweatshirt for some reason, but it makes no sense that she's wearing it. But they realize the streets are suspiciously deserted and they start to get worried. And Janine sees a ton of food just sitting there and that's that's even less sensical, but Janine takes it as a gift from God, as she's wont to do. And, oh, she says, at least someone up there still likes us, but June knows something's not right. And she's looking around suspiciously, and then they hear the planes. And so June yells, run. And they're running down the street as bombs are exploding behind them, and eventually they're catching up and all around them, and then it fades to black. And June comes around, and we, you see her face first. It's filthy. Her yellow sweatshirt is finally somewhat cam camouflaged. <laughs> it's gray now. And, you know, as she's coming to, you can hear her hearing is, is fucked up. And I like how they do that, like they did in the first episode when she was unconscious, and like mm -hmm. they're very good at. Mm. expressing that with the sounds and stuff right as if like yeah. i don't know have you guys ever lost consciousness yeah no yes because no i did several times <laughs> and that's exactly how it's how you experience sound when you look I, i mean at least really? for me when you're about yeah. to lose con like sometimes if i know okay like i'm about to lose consciousness like i i, I lay down the tunnel yeah it's like the tunnel and and all this 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 squeaking noise this like this Like the noises get really distorted, and I think they did it really well. I, I really thought that. Yeah, like, it's oh. very, very disorienting. To yeah. With the bombing, it has to be even worse, right? I mean, uh, all the loud noises. If you probably, yeah. I, I can only oh, imagine, hearing, it is, yeah. must be so loud, and your hearing must be completely affected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's and she's concussed. Even, like, even yeah. worse, and the concussion, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So she stands up and starts screaming for Janine as Fix You by Coldplay plays. Oh, and I, God. I feel like the lyrics that are playing then, though, are relevant. When you try your best, but you don't succeed. And then yeah. when you feel so tight, but you can sleep, mm -hmm. back in reverse. Um, when the tears come streaming down your face, when you lose something you can't replace, would it be worse? And then lights will guide you home and it ignites your bones. And I will try to fix you. High up above or down below, when you are too in love to let it go. But if you never try, you will never know just what you're worth. Lights will guide you home and ignite your bones. And I will try to fix you. 
tears are streaming down your face. When you lose something you can't replace, tears streaming down your face. So that's the part. Boom, it's so heartbreaking mm-hmm. as she's looking for Janine. Because yeah. Mm-hmm. I got, I get goosebumps when you read that. I know, <laughs> yeah. right? Only just How long did it remember. take them? Like, I, I would love to know the origin of like who thought of that song and yeah, no, it's I've... so fucking perfect. And it's perfect uh. for the next, you know, for for seeing Moira, right? Yeah. Might as well guide you home, try to fix you. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And it's like she loses the one handmaid, but the other comes. Yeah. So she's not walking right. alone again. Yeah. You know? Oh my God. Oh, Do other shows you. like are they this complexly like fucking amazing? I never noticed. <laughs> no. That's why we love it so. I know Stranger Things does a lot with music too. Oh, I love it. They are mm-hmm. intentional yeah. with all what they put mm-hmm. in. So they're really, I mean, it's basically the shows I'm really drawn into if the details are just, yeah. yeah. Breaking Bad, I'm sure too. Yeah. But here, I mean, the first, they start, the, the song started and it's like, I was falling already. Oh my yeah. God, like, right? Oh my God, come on, no. Mm-hmm. Is there an episode where you not cry? I cry every episode. Yeah, I, I, t- me too. But maybe they need to consider like it's hard to see the screens through so many tears. Yeah, so. that's that's one of <laughs> that's that. True. Yeah, I have one last note or question, and because um, Tina asked if Nick could have avoided the bombing, and I, I, and we kind of right came to agreement that he couldn't. Mm-hmm. So, but I was wondering if he could have maybe um, done something else, like not use all their resources like just send in i don't know five planes instead of 10 or something maybe he know. did i oh, i guess maybe. i don't know i think maybe he, he gets specifics and just have mm-hmm. to give up the order but i don't know i don't know how that works that's the but problem. if he, he needs to coordinate the bombing yes that means right. That means he has to say about what, like, what goes where, right? I mean, or, they say on uh, all fronts. So yeah. he has to put at least one or two on every part. Yeah, yeah but he could also, I mean, like saying, okay, uh, yeah, but we cannot use all our resources on this impromptu bombing. So I will just be a little sparse now. I mean, obviously it was a bombing, but it's like an aerial strike, but it's i mean maybe it's also just a scene that we don't see that many bombs erupting but i had like okay as we've seen this like five jets incoming and this once and then it's kind of over i think like there are not other bombs going yeah it is there, where there, there, right. there. she comes to unless she's been unconscious a while well i always thought that them abandoning their posts and leaving everything behind was like a signal to people like yeah why yeah. are they leaving yeah like I think something's coming. And Janine like, didn't even get it. I was so mad. They shouldn't yeah. leave all this stuff. This is valuable stuff. This yeah. is their food. And like, so it tipped them off. Yeah. June was like, wait, something's not right. Something's going to happen. So hopefully maybe other people got that. And they're like, there were no other people on the streets. I think right? something's coming. Yeah. We got to get to bomb shelters or get off the street. Yeah. He could have instructed like, leave and leave all your supplies like you said as a signal mm-hmm. to yeah, people yeah. to to find shelter that's possible that's odd that they would leave what they did yeah. yeah yeah okay i think that's a wrap on our spoiler free analysis of this episode if you are a longtime fan hang out for a few seconds and we will discuss the episode in the context of the show to date which is through season four
So who's got deep dive notes? Immediately at the start, Tainted Love is playing. And I found it, I found it really, because it's such an awkward sex scene between Steven and Janine. And at first I thought about that, that it was like about that, that Gilead tainted the way they are mm-hmm. loving people and stuff like that. And then you have June come back to Luke and you literally see that how tainted their love is because of everything that happened because of Gilead. So it's really yeah. fitting. And especially since she thought of Luke and her in the scene before as well. Right. Ooh, with the tainted love, could that event, was that their first time having sex, Luke and June? Was that? Yeah. Was that like yes. So yeah, it was tainted yeah. because it was an affair. Right. Yeah. Right. So Tina has another one, right? Uh, yeah. Mine was just um about the cloaks, the trading of the cloaks, and the ear tag is what it was gonna talk about. Was how before we've seen her so eager to kind of give up her handmade identity, mm-hmm. um, but now you know she was almost kind of hesitant to give up the cloak. And, you know, earlier, you know, in season two, she was like ripping that thing out of her ear, um, but then you know, come to. And like I said, I didn't notice it was obviously still in her ear, but then, you know, in 409, it's clearly, there's a shot of it very clearly in her ear. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not as eager to like let Gilead go anymore. When she gets to Canada, she's there for several months, weeks, however long it is. And she still hasn't been able to, you know, really release Gilead and let it go. She even wears the red. And she mm-hmm. wears the red. Yeah. Oh, and also, you know, in this episode, she's asking for guns and she's very clearly wanting revenge on Gilead and it's all going to lead to 410 you know Mm -hmm. where you know she doesn't want to like Janine just have the you know the life where she raises a kid you know Janine I think even Mm -hmm. says we can be moms together well that's not what she wants you know she's asking for guns she wants revenge yeah 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 she realizes that in the group you know with Moira why can't we be as angry as we feel or as furious as we feel whatever the word is I can't remember exactly Mm -hmm. Um, and it's all leading to her getting to take her revenge out on Fred in the most amazing way at the end of the season. So mm-hmm. all the breadcrumbs were there. And especially in this episode, it was really noticeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And she definitely accepts more that her handmade life is part of her journey yeah. and part of yeah. her right. by mm-hmm. season four. Like that's why she looked at the cloak like that and, and she accepts it and she's okay with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Quickly, a note on when I talked about um, the Dante reference and and the spoiler free analysis um, mm-hmm. and the analogy with like Dante's journey through hell, purgatory, and paradise um, that it translates very well to June's journey of yeah, well, Gilead is her hell. Then she's now she was floating in purgatory during um, the Chicago time I guess and maybe also the time when she was on the run I think and I guess the paradise could be that she got gets out to Canada but it's also kind of a tainted paradise for her I guess so we'll yeah, see yeah. what the real paradise will be maybe the beach <laughs> mm. oh, yeah the beach. fingers crossed <laughs> okay then um when we saw this puzzle like this assumption of Mary puzzle, yeah <laughs> Uh-huh. Also, I, like I felt I didn't say it in the in the in the spoiler free, but did you all think that Aunt Lydia's room was kind of ridiculously small and sparse? Well, I notice it. They are women of God. They are like nuns. They don't need anything. There's, there's like a bed, mm-hmm. a desk, yeah, 
a closet and that's all kind of it looked like like i don't know like even a prison cell mm-hmm. or like a dorm room. well i really thought back to like uh where the nuns live convent convent, convent right no in austria there are a few where you can like rent a room and sleep rent. in yeah. yeah and it's the rooms are like that like really nothing mm-hmm. really in there just mm-hmm. one closet and the bed and it's all really simple and then you have one bedside table and and that's it and I mean they are kind of like a bit of like evil nuns Mm -hmm. because they are (laughs) uh, always um, trying to get their girls in shape and and uh, reciting from the bible and and, uh, yeah things like that and it fits kind of the bill right I think right they don't need anything else do we think that's her room normally or just I think so, because she gets dressed in there. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. think it's in the red set, basically. Yeah. Right. So, but I also like that um, in this scene, we have this, like, Assumption of Mary painting, kind of. And later in the season, in episode nine, we get this symbolic Last Supper with the aunts. And I was actually looking up if Aunt Ruth is the one who sits on Judas's face. But it's not her. Mm. No. So do you know who it is? Is it just someone we don't know? No, it's just yeah. And I was wondering if this bombing was the main reason for Nick to well look as worn out as he did when we see him again in episode nine. Yeah, yeah, I right. And Max and Max has said he's like tried to look like run down. Yes, the bombing and who like the war and who knows what he needs to do in between this this as well. I mean, yeah, he was in war. Yet, not talking about real life, I saw pictures recently from people that a pre-war picture and after-war picture, mm-hmm. and they were gone like a few months, and they came back and looked like they mm-hmm. aged twenty mm-hmm. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another on another quick note in this episode. Um, I did pay attention again, and he did not wear a ring by this episode. So oh, really? Mar- yeah, so yep, his marriage oh. happened after sometime after. Yeah, was, sure. Yes. I think Nick just came back from the war uh, in episode one. So, and from episode one to episode three, there is not much time in between, and they are on a hunt basically so he hasn't got the time to marry in between right and then get settled into a new household and everything so that's probably why he hasn't been married off then and afterwards they f- thought it was time now he was back when do yeah, you I think don't... he got married what what episode i think after chicago was born hmm. or six like that hmm. i don't know if i could pin it in a particular episode yeah. no not really but, but I... I think I think um, after June made it to Canada. Yeah. That point. yeah That's time, what I think right. it was. Around this. But I also think that maybe the bombing also drove him to like do all, all the research on Hannah more, I, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could I could see that. So in case he ever had to do any sort of other horrible attack thing, he would he could know where she was and maybe uh, uh, like as a form of her or something as a form of apology i think too because that oh. yeah. mm-hmm. well I mean, because he said like when when she i mean of course you know he knows her well and and when he says okay as soon as i knew that you made it to canada i started to put things together because he knew he wouldn't she wouldn't give up um looking for hannah i started to look but, for her yeah but also that he 
obviously his guilt yeah is piling up and this one is the baddest thing he needed to do until now at least as we know of and this really needs to weigh a lot on his conscience. Uh, yeah sure mm-hmm. i think but you know, I his think... whole life weighs on his conscience yeah. everything yeah. that he has to do is is just horrible for him i feel terrible for him yeah but i think that he did this because he now had the opportunity to do it because before he wasn't a commander and then when he got to come to be a commander he was immediately sent away or really soon and probably was in training before so he didn't really get to have connections to get to hannah or anything basically when all that chicago stuff and so, uh, and so on when he came back and finally had a bit more leverage on people and knew some people that he started to uh, try to get to hannah he right. would have looked for hannah in any way as soon right. as he got the opportunity because he tried already in season two and he couldn't really get intel because he was too low to get anything and now he has all the possibilities or more not all he was still trying since that season maybe i don't know yeah he always said we'll find a way remember to yeah right info or to get her to her he's yeah he's always probably in the back of his thinking how am i gonna find a way to connect her Mm. with her daughter I'm also assuming he's climbing the ranks of, of Mayday or, uh, you know, and let's hope. <laughs> yeah. And people yeah. are giving him like now he has friendlies. Um, mm-hmm. He seems to have more True. intel that's working for him behind the scenes. So mm-hmm. I think he's moving up everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when Nick got basically his own kid out that he saw for the first time that he could work to get somebody out i mean mm-hmm. it wasn't just him it was mainly the mothers but it worked and one of the kids of june is out and then then june got all of the other kids out so many and mm-hmm. then june got out so he basically got reminded every time again and again probably about this pressing matter of hannah maybe he can get to hannah maybe I mean, he probably even knew that uh, Hannah was moved because June tried to get her. Mm -hmm. 100% never left his mind because it's always like a faucet that's not, that's leaking Mm -hmm. the whole time. Hannah, 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 because he knows Mm. just the one thing that June needs to be really happy. Right. That to make her complete. Well, not fully complete. She'd probably want him as well, but. Exactly. And all the friends. (laughs) Yeah. So, and my other notes are kind of all on Lydia, because as I said in the, in the spoiler free already, that this episode is really important for her development, I think, um, because she starts to form new um, alliances. Word? Yeah, alliances mm-hmm. with Lawrence, we see. It just dawned on me another reason she might have gone to Lawrence over Calhoun is because she and Lawrence at this point are both kind of outcasts from their mm-hmm. right. their circles. That's true. Right? You know, he's outcast. He's not at the table. She's not at the table either. So she probably knows they can you know work together to uh, come to their common goal of she wants to be reinstated. reestablishing power. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They also are both made responsible for what happened like yeah. Lawrence because yeah. June was his handmaid and Lydia because she's responsible for the handmaids right mm-hmm. oh that was another thing in the scene she said part of like the deal of you know trading information was that when they get June back she would get to be in charge of her mm-hmm. and Lawrence is like yeah I got no problem with that do you, what do you think about that that she was doing that to protect her 
Like bring oh, her to me before you no. like put her on no. the wall? Or do you think no. she was seriously gonna? Well, in know. episode one, she said that she wants her to be dead, basically. And in episode uh, three, she seems really not happy about the fact that they torture her. She wants right. her to give it up. She wants her to be a good girl so she can basically take her home and she can pop out new babies and everything. Even though mm-hmm. she she's still mad at her and she got hurt because of June, she's struggling with the fact that they torture her. So then now after that, she should be raging now because June pre- basically betrayed her again and ran away and she had to face the consequences again it's so funny and now she wants her in her care again i think she doesn't want to give up on trying to turn her around she wants her to be meek she wants her to be the perfect handmaid she would just try to do what she's always been doing i think i know but uh june is so far gone now maybe she has other things up her sleeve i mean if she has intel on yeah. people oh so no, she has stop. intel on nick oh God. <laughs> and mm-hmm. on nicole and on everybody she loves so there are ways for lydia even like different ways we haven't seen for her to make june obedient yeah maybe oh yeah Mm. I think that would be oh well <laughs> and that's that's I think like because her face like Lydia's face is really it's like she's plotting she knows exactly what she's going to do with June if she gets her hand yeah June's kind of like the, like the ultimate challenge for her yeah yeah, oh, yeah exactly. she is. <laughs> she's like in episode three like when when June begs her to kill her she's like oh I finally broke her poor girl no don't worry you're just going to the breeding colony and then in the end she's back to being the rebel again and yes. I think like she and Lydia must have been so furious at that because she thought oh, yeah. finally I broke her and now and then she's back at it like within a second within just a kiss of Nick and everything's good again and bam. yeah I don't think she wants her dead because no, I mean I even don't think so even in in the end of four three, she's screaming at the guard for shooting at them. Like, no, don't shoot them. Like, so she's not that pissed. I mean, she is pissed, but she still doesn't want them to be killed. I think she's like, if I can break June, I can break every other handmaid. Mm-hmm. Like a project. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. She's a yeah. challenge for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As I said, I thought like her speech was really fascinating to me that she kind of changed or mm-hmm. tries to change how she's with the girls. And I think we kind of start to see it later in the episodes when she's, well, tries to do different approaches when um, Esther is not eating and getting Janine involved. Yeah. Right. That that she's the one who connects with Esther and that she's not like kind of pushing the foot down her throat like the other aunts are proposing that um, she tries to actually make it work through different means and so I, f- I really think she tries to change at least the ways they treat the handmaids yeah well I uh, noticed that in the scene with Aunt Ruth she it's kind of ticks her off that much that I thought maybe that's one of the triggers that gets her to try to change the system a bit not just the way she treats the handmaids but Maybe how the handmaids were treated as well later on. But we don't get to see that yet, maybe. But the way she talked with Lawrence just gave me the impression that she really wants to change the system. Maybe not burn Gilead down, but Mm -hmm. she wants to make a difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's had enough, I think. Of the vile man. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she definitely has turned those, her tune. She yeah. has all those, in, it, like the intel on all of those men. I mean, we have Putnam who yeah. had this affair with Janine. We, we Like she's, she's doing the party executions. She knows what those people did, even though sometimes it's just made up excuse, yeah. ac- accuses. But I want to know natural. what Calhoun has. I do too. I wonder what he's up to. And he doesn't seem like to be the type who helps people, you know, like underground, like smugglers or whatever. He's, no, I don't know. Mm. I hope we get to know. All the skeletons in their closet. There's so much that still can be told. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my last note is on Jeannie, poor Jeannie, who gets recaptured and becomes a handmaid yet again yeah it's so frustrating it's so like please just just let her live in peace for once you know she oh, lydia she'd rather die so yeah. yeah i was wondering too like it's is it is it even worse that she survived this bombing well she well, said she would have I rather died so. than be a handmaid again i don't think so i think she i hope i mean it looks like the, uh, that uh, Lydia is teaming her a bit up with Esther. So that could be a good thing. Could be really wrong, but I hope it's a good thing that she's not alone anymore. Not the, the one handmaid that's walking alone all the time. Mm-hmm. And she can guide Esther probably a bit better than June to tone down her anger. But maybe, maybe if they combine the forces they will come up with something good, but not something that's just bombing the shit out of something, like going all batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. Because that would happen if you left, uh, leave it to Esther, probably, at yeah. that moment. <laughs> she yeah. just wants revenge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, I think that's a wrap on our analysis of season four, episode five. Come back on Monday for our analysis of season four, episode six. Come find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all the things. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.